Welcome to the Optimal Mindset Podcast. My name is Johnny Taylor and I'm a PE teacher and a coach with a passion for all things related to mindfulness, breathwork and sports science. In these episodes, we'll be chatting with some of my personal idols and experts in the field of sports and performance. I hope to uncover stories about their journey, optimizing routines and the mindset they use to achieve their goals. Remember, train your mind, optimize your life. All right, welcome to the next episode. My guest today is Mike Kramer. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Johnny. It's a pleasure to be here. The number one fan, so uh, it's it's nice to be on the other end. Fantastic. So Mike grew up playing uh, water polo and rugby um, and is an outstanding all-round athlete. He's competed in uh, many marathons and races before recently getting into Ironman races. Um, He is one week out, I believe it's one week today, from competing in his second Ironman in Subic in the Philippines. Um, You are probably one of the toughest and most focused and mentally disciplined person that I know. Um, And I'm 100% sure that our audience is going to learn a lot from you. So thanks for thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Johnny. I think that uh, that intro definitely pumps up my tires a lot. I'm I'm just uh, and and uh, an average athlete uh, with a full time job who loves exercising and challenging myself. Uh, Bosh, I think you've been a bit humble there, but but I love it. So obviously you've got your um, your second Ironman, your second round of uh, of the Subic race in the Philippines. Um, so could you give us some background about uh, what got you into Ironman races? Kind of what was your inspiration to to run those those tough courses? Yeah, uh, great question. I think I'll just give a bit of background first. I'm a um, about myself. So I'm a, a a privileged white South African who who grew up in the leafy leafy southern suburbs of Cape Town at the foot of Table Mountain. Uh, and growing up, I've got an older brother who is two years older than me, and uh, his name's James. And James is better than me at absolutely everything, whether it be like a table tennis match at home, a competition, uh, like how long you could hold your breath under water for, or if it's the garden cricket finale. You know, he was he was better at every everything so uh, that is definitely part of the reason for this journey and then the second part is I yeah I, I love the school I went to and there was surrounded by phenomenal athletes and I was never even close to the best in anything I was just a jack of all trades I would say on a couple of teams um, but since then like for example the the guys who I was at school with who one guy's captaining the Proteas like our national cricket team another guy captained our water polo team at the Olympics last year another guy's playing for the World Cup uh, you know going to Ireland for the World Cup in rugby this year another guy's an MMA fighter another guy went to the Olympics when we uh, were in high school so it's like there, there was always high achieving people around me I would say in a sporting sporting sphere and especially with my family as well there's an epic race um ultra marathon race in, in in south africa called the comrades it's actually on sunday as well and i've got a few friends doing it um and like my uncle had done that 10 times and I've, I, I just have always been surrounded by people i think who who are phenomenal athletes and are really good at challenging themselves um so that's the first thing that that i would say my brother just being better at everything has always made me outrageously then competitive <laughs> and um and really wanting to push myself just because i was i was uh you know couldn't beat him at anything i would say um and then that leads on to like why an iron man so every every year i set myself a new uh, i have goals for the year and one of them is setting myself a new physical challenge um 
and it's it's typically something I've never done before that I want to do or like for example this year it's something I have done before but I want to do better um, and I think that's just uh, from you know a, a sincere belief that we only really grow when we get out our comfort zone and to get out the comfort zone sometimes you've got to get into the pain cave um, and I also had done a few friends who'd done an Ironman and I remember chatting to them about it and I was just so inspired and awed that like a human could do this um, and then, uh, you know, my sister-in-law's sister did it as well. So there were just a lot of people doing these things. And I was like, oh, wow, that'd be cool to do one day. And then I moved to Manila in, uh, in the Philippines in October of 2020, you know, so kind of just past the, the, the crux of the pandemic. But I got here and, you know, we were teaching and school was online, but I knew no one. So I basically had no friends. And, um, and there was nothing going on and everywhere I've moved I've always got to know people by, by playing sport and normally it's typically a rugby match and you know straight away you got 30 mates and there was none of that everything was closed um, and so I just started exercising a lot and luckily I met you know two inspiring people one Andy Elmers and two Carly Ralph uh, and they were going to do the half Ironman so I was like oh sweet I'll sign up for that um, and then, you know, a week or two later, I was like, oh, you know, I've got all this time. I'm never going to have this amount of time in my life ever again. Uh, you know, with school finishing at three o'clock and they're not being coaching off school. I was like, you know what, let's, let's just uh, enter the full. So that's basically how, how I got into doing it last year. I like it. There's some things we can unpack there, but I love I love your idea of I've never really heard that before. The pain cave. Right? Do you want to move? To what What does the pain cave mean to you? Before we move on, what What is the pain cave? <laughs> the pain cave. That's oh, I, the pain cave is when you. It's a dark place that you you go into where one obviously your body is in physical agony and then two you're emotionally have stripped off all your layers and you're just really vulnerable and honest with yourself and and three like you can be in the pain cave i think for myself when you're mentally still strong but yeah you struggle in the pain cave when you you're mentally gone as well and then you're just you know you, you you're broken basically and you really really want to quit and everything is telling you to quit uh so that's what i call the pain cave i've also called my training uh, our training room we have at home i've named that the pain cave so I say, oh, yeah, I'm in the pain cave for two hours now. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And we're going to dive back into that later. But just maybe for people that don't know uh, what the distances of an Ironman is, do you want to maybe just tell them yeah. the disciplines and the distances? Yeah. So so an Ironman is a, a form of triathlon um, that's uh, become hugely popular through an American company called Ironman, which run the events. And it's a 3.8-kilometer swim a 180-kilometer bike, and then a 42.2-kilometer run. So, i.e., you finish off with a marathon. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's the, the the run is basically four times the Olympic distance, and the bike is similarly four times the Olympic distance. So, it's, uh, it's a long day out. Perfect. Yeah, it sounds like a very long day. I'm not going to lie, but, but awesome work. So, um, whenever I think of you, I think probably the two words, I was thinking about this list the other day, what would be the two words that I would describe you with? And I think two of them would be discipline and the second one would be consistency, right? Like often, you know, when I see you come in, you've just done a 5K swim or you've just done, a, a, you know, like a 200 kilometer bike ride. Like I just feel like you are extremely disciplined. So with such a training schedule that's so tough and so rigorous, how do you um, kind of maintain that discipline and consistency over time? That's funny. I think if you ask my parents that question, two words to describe me. First one they would use is stubborn. So I think I think stubborn, stubborn, and some people. I'm glad you see the positive side of it and, uh, and see it as discipline. Um, but yeah. So I suppose I just stress again, like there. 
there are about 50 Ironman, full Ironman events worldwide. And so you get about 30,000, you know, 20 to 40,000 people finishing these every year. Uh, and I've only done one of these and I did it at a very average time. So I think like it's important for the listeners to know that I'm not some superhero athlete and I'm, I'm just, you know, a guy with a full-time job who loves exercising. Um, but in terms of, so what you say about discipline there, and I really appreciate those words, Johnny, they, they mean a lot, but I think... I think, yeah, to, to people not in these sorts of like training mentalities, it does seem like outrageous. And yeah, you're training 20 hours a week, like that's crazy. But then of these, you know, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people every year, this is normal who, who are doing things like this. Um, and, you know, so when you, I'm chatting to friends who are doing this, it's like, yeah, this is what you're doing this weekend. And, uh, and, and that's okay. Um, then on the on on the discipline side as well, I said, yeah, my parents would definitely describe me as stubborn, and uh, I think what happens then when you get older, you know, we just grow and we try to be ourselves with a bit more skills. So I've turned that stubbornness into rigid determination and and discipline, and I think to maintain that, that that discipline, my dad always said to me, you know, growing up, if you do something, you do it properly, and my mom always was stressing the importance of co- you know commitment. Like if we said we're going to do something, we had to do it. Um, so those kind of two approaches from my parents, I would say, have made me very very goal orientated and so then if I do sign up for something like a like, like a full Ironman like I, I, I know I'm going to do it uh, and I will give myself the best you know opportunity to do it well um, but to maintain like you say that discipline and the rigor and the consistency and training like you've got to know your why you've got to know why you're doing this and if if your why is you know to lose a couple of kilos or to look aesthetically better or whatever the, you know those superficial or shallow reasons you're going to come short when you know you've you've done your morning session you've had 8 hours of teaching you've coached rugby for 2 hours in the afternoon you get home at 5:30 in the afternoon and now your hardest part of the day starts with like a 2 hour mammoth you know really tough bike interval workout so you really got to know why why you're doing this and and and, and if you know your why and you're really honest with yourself about why you're trying to do something i think the motivation just flows and 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 then the discipline i said is just because of how i was brought up i would say amazing you have actually stolen one of my questions i was going to ask you so that was something because i was chatting with uh my friend matt rosser who's who plays basketball yesterday and that was one of his three key takeaways he was like you need to understand what your why is and that fuels your performances to to when you go out to perform. So let's re, let's just go go over that now. What is your why then? So what is your why for for training and competing in an Ironman? I I think it's this is going to sound cliche, but like I I start off every year with every class that I teach, and I ask the kids the same question, like you know, what is your potential? And and we have a conversation about that, and and that's a question that's fascinated me, you know, for at least ten years. Like, what am I? What is my potential? What am I capable of? You know, what are your limits? And then, you think you have a limit, and you go in and do something that you haven't done before, and you realize hell's teeth. Like, I I can do more than I ever thought I could, and and that's for everyone. We we're all stronger than we think we are, and we're capable of more more than we are. So I think my my why is just at this moment seeing what am I what am I capable of, and trying to push that barrier. Uh, a little bit further um, and then I think also last year um, I was doing it kind of with a couple of ulterior motives as well which I think we'll get into a bit later and this year I've realized no I'm, I'm, I'm only doing this for myself I'm not doing it to you know impress anyone to get a time or you know to get a slot or anything I'm, I'm just doing this for myself and I think that's really cleared this it cleared it up because I think it's it's like the three things I I, I love the most in life are, are teaching traveling and exercising and I do those three things 
or because I really think they do make me a better person. They, they allow me time to reflect, especially when you're running or cycling for a long time. Like I, I, I like to think of myself as somewhat of a purist. I don't, you know, when, especially when I'm running, I don't part, I listen to podcasts. Um, and it's just good time for to me to, me, to be with me um, and, you know, to see where I am and, and where I want to go. Perfect. I think, yeah, I 100% agree. I think if your external validation is based on the reason that you want to do something, that's going to be a flimsy why. And when you, like when maybe you hit that pain cave, right? That's when you're going to be, that flimsy why is going to kind of let you down, right? But it's about having maybe a deeper meaning or deeper value to your why. And that's going to push you to, to feel your performance. So let, let's revisit last year. Though. I know you touched on, uh, touched on it just then. Um, so can you talk us through? I know we've talked a bit about, about about it before, but maybe what your experience was like. And I know you had some highs and some lows. Maybe just explain to the listeners what the Iron Man <laughs> encapsulated last do you, year. Do you want a full a full race report? Uh, uh, I mean, this podcast is generally about an hour long, so <laughs> go for it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, okay. So we, you know, it starts off with the swim, and I, you know, with the water polo background, the swim is always something I'm pretty pretty strong in, and um, you know. It, 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 it like cycling, you know, any, any big cycle race, people get in a peloton to, to draft. And like in swimming, you want to get in a pack and get on people's feet or on their hips to draft. So I was really lucky as, as we got out, um, there uh, were two people and I just stuck with them and I was on the one guy's feet. I mean, I sh- don't know how he didn't try to kick me in the face a million times because I was literally on his feet for, for 4Ks just the entire time behind him. And so when you're doing that, you're saving about 20% energy, which is, which is great. So I felt really good. Um, and we get, get out the swim. And because the half Ironman had started before, there are a lot of people who finished before you. So you don't know where you are or whatever. And I get out the water. And the, the three of us uh, who were in this group swimming together get out. We get in the transition. And I, and, you know, I quickly get out the transition. And I come out and I hop on the bike. And, um, you know, I start cycling. And this, there's this motorbike cycling with me. And I'm so confused. I'm like, just leave me alone. I want to, like, why is there bikes on the course? You know, the roads are closed. And I was like, this guy was still looking at me. So I looked at him and I, like, put a question, why? And he, and he looks at me and he points his finger at me. And I'm like, why is this guy waving his finger at me? I just want to cycle. And he looks at me and he goes, you are winning, sir, number one. And I was like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. This is ridiculous. So that is a story I'm going to tell the grandkids that I was winning uh, an Ironman for probably, I don't know, about, no, maybe about five to ten minutes, the first five Ks <laughs> of the bike. And then the guy whose feet I was behind the whole swim, a guy called Peter, who eventually who did win the thing, um, he comes flying past on the bike. And as he flies past, I shout him, I'll see you at the finish line because there's no way I'm going to keep up with you. And so that was that, that was really cool. But uh, So it was amazing to feel strong at the beginning. But it was also then incredibly demoralizing because I did not pass a single human being on the bike. I just got overtaken by at least 30, if not 40 people. Um, and that, that, that was pretty tough. Um, and also I was doing this on like a friend's 15 to 20 year old bike and when you're seeing these people come past you with like these $10,000 bikes it just really made me pretty upset <laughs> one with myself and two with that like a performance was related to a bit of what money you had so I felt good I, I get to the end of the bike and I'm, I'm, I'm finishing with this um, we got about two guys to go and I'm starting to chat with the guy next to me Filipino guy and he and I look at him and I'm just like geez I'm tired and he goes it's so hot it's so hot and I was like yeah yeah and i'm i'm you know i'm a foreigner and you're saying it's hot and he goes i know and now we're supposed to run a marathon so i was like if the locals are finding it hard how does you know a white boy stand a chance in this heat because it was like 36 degrees 90 percent humidity 
And now it's like 2 or 3 in the afternoon. You've been exercising for like 7 hours and now you start a marathon. And I felt great for the first 10Ks, I would say. And, uh, you know, and, and also I finished the bike with um, the lady who ended up, uh, the, the women's leader, Inez Santiago, who won the women's race. So, you know, I was running just behind her. It was great, that, you know, because she was obviously getting some media attention. So the atmosphere was good. Um, but then at 15Ks, like I completely hit the wall. Like I just felt like I couldn't take another step and I broke. I, uh, like I, the pain cave became real. And I uh, had to walk and I was just crying and I was like real moment of self-loathing, like looking at your watch knowing you got 27 Ks to go and you can't even run. Um, and I couldn't stomach any food and it was, it, it, it was terrible. And then you come around the corner and that's where my girlfriend and, and some friends were. And I come past and they've never obviously seen me like this because I'm always, you know, typical, quite a positive and, and, and outgoing guy. And I was just broken. But what made it worse is none of them said anything because I think they were so shocked and they were all silent. So I was like, God, this is terrible. <laughs> they can't even cheer me on. <laughs> um, but I suppose from there, all I did was just put my head down and just count. I, like whenever I'm in a tough spot, I just count for, for 20 breaths, uh, do 20 deep breaths and then look and then, hey, you've gone a little bit further. And then I really just drank uh, so much water, uh, ate some bananas, ate a cliff Bar, got a gel in and managed to stomach it because that was a problem as well. My stomach wasn't great. And um, yeah, one step at a time. Um, and then, you know, carried on going. But also what was happening, one of I said, like my superficial goals was my, my sister-in-law's sister, who's a, yeah, basically I'll call her, you know, like a cousin. She had done an Ironman in 10.45 a couple of months before. So there was so much banter on the family group. Like I'm, I'm outrageously competitive. So I was like, obviously I'm going to take Sarah. And then, you know, I start crying and I, like I'm done and I realize I'm not going to beat Sarah. So I'm like, oh, that goal's gone. So then suddenly you're feeling like you failed, but it's, you're feeling like you've let yourself down, but then you change your goals. So I was like, oh, I'll try to do this thing in under 11 hours. And then I realized I'm not going to do that. Then I was like, oh, I just finished before sunset. And then it gets dark. And I'm like, oh, I'm still on this bloody course. Um, but yeah, I, I, I did manage to get it done. And at that ending, it was like a euphoria or an ecstasy that I've, I've never felt before. But just, yeah, for, for anyone listening, it was undoubtedly the hardest, you know, physical thing, definitely. Like, my body was, was really broken. Emotionally, I, I was torn. Um, and, and then mentally, like, I'd, I'd, I'd quit on myself, I would say, out that 15Ks. Um, but, you know, the, the, the lows, they will fade away. And, you know, you just keep going one step at a time. And by the end, I actually did feel pretty good in the, the last 10Ks of the run, which was nice. Amazing, amazing. Well, firstly, what an amazing and awesome experience. And secondly, I love the fact that you've now signed up for round two uh, next week. So that's going to be uh, exciting. So based on your performance last year, I know we, we kind of talked, talked it through then. What would you say you learned? And what would you say that you could then reflect on and implement as your strategy as you train for the second going? It's mm, a good question. What did, uh, what did I learn? Well, one, I learned that I actually can do this. And I am capable of more than I think. Uh, two, there are a lot of technical aspects, like in terms of the training, that I think we'll touch on maybe a bit later. That that I definitely will. But the biggest, the biggest thing as well is that I, I like as soon as I finished it, within a week or two weeks, I was like, I can do better. Like I know I can do better at, at, at this. I know I can train better. Uh, I know I can race better. I know I can be stronger mentally because it's it's all mental. Like yes, obviously the the physical stuff you you need to be relatively fit to be able to do an Ironman. But that's that's getting you to the start line. What's going to get you to the finish line is, isn't your physical fitness. It's your mental attitude. Um, 
And then another thing that's different is is la- last year's one, it was obviously COVID times. The event had been postponed three times and each time by six months. And because I was new to this, was my first time, I didn't have a coach. I was just doing it myself. I was reading books and, you know, watching YouTube videos. And I was like, oh, I can coach myself. But basically, I trained at the same intensity for 18 months. And so I was completely overtrained. Uh, I, uh, you know, I was burnt out. Uh, I didn't peak. I didn't taper properly. Um and uh, and and so that was a was a flaw. And also, I, I think I told you a bit about that external motivation of trying to beat Sarah. And then also, like a couple of people had uh, friends had said, "Oh yeah, you're going to get a slot to Kona and then go to the World Champs." And one of a good friend of mine was going to the World Champs. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'll see you there." You're like, "Who the hell do you think you are? You've never done something like this, and at the first time, you think you're going to get." A shot at the world champs so yeah stay far more humble and keep goals like that like get rid of them just focus on yourself i love that amazing that's uh that's that's incredible so you mentioned it there and i, I wanted to ask you about this so when you're training how do you find that balance between like pushing your limits and obviously you talk a lot about like the mind can do you know the body is the thing that quits first and the mind can do more than you can perceive but how do you balance that aspect with what you mentioned earlier which is overtraining and 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 burnout like how does your mindset play a role in in balancing between those two phenomena I think I think also like yeah balancing like the the pushing and the, uh, the overtraining and and the, it, it, it once yeah. you've actually got to know what you're doing like there are a lot of technical things and it's not like going out there and doing every session uh, as hard as you can because you're going to burn out you're going to get injured and so one is you need a bit of technical knowledge and and so for that I got a coach uh, I've got a coach this year and that's completely changed the game um, he's a good friend's older brother and he, he's amazing uh, he's a phenomenal triathlete but uh, having that trust in someone who knows what they're doing and just trusting their process uh, takes off a lot of the pressure because, like, you know, I would, I would, I used to have this Monday morning would be my easy swim on when I was training myself. And, you know, as soon as I'd feeling good, I'd up the pace. And basically, then I'm trying to swim at the Ironman pace or trying to even faster. And you're like, you're trying to win the right Ironman in every session. And you're like, no, that's not how you do it. So just having the mentality to trust what you're doing and have more of a broader lens to be like, and, and I, I, I knew that I do have a six-month training block, like a really proper six-month training block. And I want to be the fittest that I can be on, you know, race day on the 11th of June. I don't need to be for, you know, to peak in March or something like that. Where last year, I just plateaued the whole year. Um, so I think that that's a that's a key point, and then yeah, so that mindset that tr- tr- trusting the process, I would say. Oh, excellent. Um, how do you balance that? Just to go back, go back on that. Mm. How do you balance that with trusting the process and being very present with where you are, but also having goals that you set for yourself and being more rigid in in terms of like where you're striving towards? So like how do you how do you balance those two things? Yeah, so I think you've you've got to have your short term goals and your long term goals. Like know what you're trying to do, and then have some some goals in the meantime that lead up to that. And so I did a race in March, for example, that was kind of like you know a B race for the season that was going to let me know and give me the indicators of where I am, where I am at. And so you do a few of those things to kind of you know also boost your confidence to let you know that hey, I, I am hitting my marks, I'm hitting my metrics. But also, like in each session now. Um, 
I know what I should be doing, what my heart rate should be doing, what my, you know, what my what's or what my pace should be doing. And so that, that really helps to do that. And then the mindset to, to, to do that is, yeah, when it's time to push, you push and you're going a hundred and, and, you know, a hundred percent and you're giving everything you've got. But I would say a maximum 20% of my training like is, is like that. 80% is easy, you know, warming up in between the intervals. Um, but when it's time to, yeah, get your intervals, you're absolutely smashing it. Oh, I love it. All right, let's let's dive back into something. I know we talked a lot about the pain cave, but um, when and this is something that I'm fascinated by. When those kind of woe is me moments, like you know, when you're when you're on the course and and you saw your friends and you know you're mentally and emotionally drained, um, you know your body and and your mind are, are ready to quit, um, or as you call it, being in the pain cave. How do you navigate through those self defeating thoughts? Like, do you have like mm. a strategy or something that you do, or how do you kind of get through it? I think if I did, I'd be doing Ironmans a lot better than 12 hours. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that that's a good question, Johnny. I think, I think those lows and those, you know, those those broken moments, um, they make you realize what you're truly capable of. And if if if, like, and it's not a great analogy, but if you viewed your mind as a muscle, like like other muscles, it can be trained. And I'll never forget um, something a, a professor once said in a lecture in a lecture where he's like, adversity has the ability to bring forth qualities that would otherwise have lain dormant. So you know. It's, Adversity has the ability to bring forth qualities that otherwise would have laid dormant. And so, you know, it's when you really are challenged, when you are out of your comfort zone, that you find out who you are, you find out, you know, what you're capable of. And, and you find out also, I think, more about you, yourself, like a no terrible analogy, but, you know, Brené Brown uses the, the, the notion of, of armor or it's like an onion and, you know, we've got different layers and you've really got to peel those layers off. And when you're at, you know, like, like you said, the woe is me or the pain curve moments, you're at your most vulnerable and you're really getting to know yourself a lot better and you're realizing what, what, what's important to you and what, 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 what really matters. And, you know, sometimes you have these little epiphany moments and, and or sometimes it's just, you know, seeing life with a bit of a clearer lens. Um, like I, I realized when I was doing that, like, yeah, I'd, I'd been in a new, I'd moved countries, was in a new place and I'd realized, you know, I, I, I really, who I wanted to spend my time with and, and going through that really made it clear to me rather than, you know, just being a yes man and saying everything. So I think those those moments are, are everything. And also, once you go through moments like that, like I think it does make the next challenges that you'll go through not easier, but less hard. You know, and, and I know you've read Goggins as well. He calls it the cookie, the cookie jar analogy. Um, and so, the, you know, those challenges really, really do build your strength and, and internal uh, perseverance. Amazing. So would you say that you have any like routines or like rituals that help you before you before you race maybe like visualization is it meditation do you do breath work is there something that you do before a race mm. that you're like this is how i'm going to get into like a flow state or this is how i'm going to optimize my performance mm. yeah that's a very good question i mean well first of all i'm a novice so that's why i'm listening to that's why i'm your podcast number one fan so i can learn more about breath work and meditation but i do visualize a lot i do visualize i i picture you, you know picture that finish line but also you picture the suffering like i do like that hill that absolutely broke me i've I dreamt about that thing and initially it was nightmares and then now it's like no i'm gonna get redemption on that bloody hill i can't wait to be there again and in that suffering and know that i'm gonna step up better than i stepped up last year so visualization is huge um breathing i i i'm very 
uh, not knowledgeable here and it's an area that I definitely want to learn more about. Um, but something I always do when I am really struggling is I have 20 deep breaths and I put my head down so I don't look whether it's cycling or running. I put my head down and just focus on one foot in front of the other or one pedal after another for 20 deep breaths. Um, I do try the nasal breathing, but if, you, you know, if you're really suffering, that's a bit hard. Uh, and I find that kind of you know, gives you a little bit more of, of, of peace of mind to kind of get out of there. Um, in terms of routines, I don't, I don't, I'm not superstitious or anything like that. Like, I don't know if you want to know this, the routines are more bathroom <laughs> orientated, which I'm sure the, the listeners uh, definitely don't want to hear about. That, that could be, uh, that could be shared on another podcast. Maybe not this, not, not this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but also like, I'll be honest with you, the last few raises we've done here over the last two years, there's always something ridiculous that has happened either the night before the day before, or while we registering, like, you know, this time last year, you know, COVID was still a thing and, and my girlfriend Cassie had got, you know, a false positive test. So then we spent, you know, three hours the day before the race getting another COVID test, which obviously came back negative. And it was like, that was stressful. Then in March in Davao, I flew with a bike and I, I didn't know how to reassemble it the, the day before. So I'm spending hours trying to get my position right and all of that. And then there was one, you know, one one race we went to where we had all our documents online, but they said you got to print it, and then you're running around trying to get a printer. So, like, I haven't managed to get like really calm the day before race because they've always been like last minute little fires to put out or hurdles to to get through. So I'm really looking forward to being far more prepared and and relaxed going into this year. Yeah, but in some ways that makes it all more of the experience, right? Like all part of the challenge and all part of the process, right? Of of uh, handling those extra difficulties just to, to as you prepare for your race. Uh, can I dive back into something you mentioned about visualization there? So, yeah. would you say that you're, if you were maybe to give some context to like what it would look like, is it like visualizing like a negative situation and a challenge and then seeing yourself overcoming it, or is it more of like positive visualization whereby you're visualizing yourself? succeeding and thriving and, and having not performance or is it a mixture of both yeah it's it's definitely a mixture of both and 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 the positive thing obviously the finish line is the one you picture that but but like i i love the people in my life people are the most important thing to me and and like so i often visualize like running and then getting cheered on by by cassie and you know some other mates who are going to be there and that that like that means the world to me so i do visualize that and then i'm like i'm not gonna they're not gonna see me cry again this year <laughs> and then and then the, the negative stuff um, yes, like I do visualize being like, think about a lot and see myself like, it's almost like when I think about that moment that that 15k moment will be with me for the rest of my life. Like, and I, it's almost like I'm zoomed out watching myself crawl or walk basically on this, like, and so I do think about that and being like, okay, how can I be better, uh, when I get to that point next year, what am I going to do? Or even better, how can I prevent that from happening? How can I be pre more prepared? How can I get, you know, train better, be ment uh, more mentally? strong because like like i think we said earlier like the the mind can do anything you know the body can do anything the mind wills it to so what is it that like there's that one split second where you lose your focus that forces you to walk like just keep going just keep going and then you you won't have to get to that point i love it that's almost like a almost like a cross between like 
the manifestation and positive visualization, but then also using it as a practical tool to like look about what you can do differently and use it almost as reflection, right? So you kind of almost yeah. get the best of both worlds. So that, uh, awesome. All right. Yeah, I think, I, I oh, think also ahead, sorry, on, to... yeah, no, on that, I think it's also like in racing, a lot of people talk about like you can race with positive emotions and negative emotions. You know, your negative emotions are, you know, you, you, you make someone out to be an enemy that you really want to beat and uh, or negative emotions are these people aren't training as hard as I am. Like I, I deserve this and, you know, that's obviously entitlement but it's a negative emotion where there's the positive emotions where it's like are you doing this for love or the people in your life or how proud you are of yourself and it's similar like that i think with the visualization i love it thanks for clarifying so this podcast is obviously very much interested in in an optimal mindset or how you can develop an optimal mindset so how uh, what would you what would your definition of an optimal mindset be as uh, the podcast's most loyal viewer, I knew this question <laughs> coming, so I did think about it carefully on my on my cycle yesterday, my run today. Um, so I think the optimal mindset is the first thing for me. Is is it sounds like it's uh, what what your guest yesterday said. I can't wait to listen to that one. Is purpose. You've got to know your why to to have the optimal mindset for any situation. You need to know why are you doing this, why are you here, and who are you doing it for. Um, so you really you really have got to got that that clarity. But it's also deeper than that. It's like why am I on this planet? Uh, why am I here? And you know, I'm not here to run a race Ironmans. And like, you know, I, I I'm here one way or how I find my purpose. My purpose is just to bring you know a little bit more positivity, light, and energy into the life of those around me. And I think by doing things like this, like it, it allows me to have you know more meaningful relationships and and connections with the people who matter to me. Um, so purpose would be the first one. Second, I think with that though, you've got to have an unwavering uh, sense of self-belief. Like you've really got to back yourself. And it's not obviously there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance that's easy to fall over. But, you know, it's about really believing in yourself that in any situation, you know that, you know, you're stronger than you think you are and you're going to be able to get through it and, uh, and believing in yourself. Um, the third aspect of it, I would say is is positivity and being an optimist uh, because you know that's contagious to people around you. But also, it's you know what Brené Brown tells is, is, is the stories that you tell yourself, the, the 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 narrative that you're playing yourself in your head. As soon as you get negative with yourself, you've got no chance. So you've got to stay positive to yourself, and and that again comes with the self belief and almost self love. Um, and the final thing I think comes from being a teacher is that you've got to be curious, curious about the world, curious about people around you, curious about yourself and always wanting to learn and know more. Um, so I think if you've got those combinations, like you know why you're here, you believe in yourself, you, you're positive about it and, and you're curious about, you know, the journey that you're going to go on. Uh, I think that's, you know, a combination of an optimal mindset. Perfect. That might be one of the, the best answers that we've had. on this You say that to uh, everyone, Johnny. I've listened every time you say it's the best one. Um, just to go back on what you said about positivity, do you find that in the world today, there's more often like if you do something, you see someone being criticized on social media or like, you know, you watch a sports game and everyone kind of criticizes the players after the game. Do you, do you find that being positive can be challenging in what can be a negative environment or people around you? That's interesting. I, I'm, I, I'm not sure if there's more negativity these days than there has been. I just think those voices have a, a platform that they didn't have, and mm, social media has point. amplified that. Um, as my girl Taylor Swift says, haters going to hate. And you know, that, that's always happened, and that's always been there. Um, 
So, yeah, I think you've just got to concentrate on the voices that matter to you and really know whose opinion of you actually matter. And, and those are the ones that, that you, you should, you know, seek their, their insight or opinions of. And anybody else, you know, let, let water off a duck's back. Easier said than done, though. Perfect. I'm not sure we've ever had anyone quote Taylor Swift on this podcast. That might be the first and maybe the last time, but I love it. <laughs> <Awesome> work. <laughs> All right. Um, so I know, and you've actually mentioned some authors and some people that you read, read books and you follow. So could you recommend, and you can uh, recommend as many as you want here, any transformational books that you would recommend to our listeners to maybe shift their mindset or to change their perspective of life? Like what would be your top few books? Jesus. It's a big question. Um, the only book I've actually ever read twice is Born to Run uh, by Christopher McDougall. So it came out 10, maybe 12 years ago, probably more than that now, like uh, 2020 or 2008 actually. Um, and it's a phenomenal book. Uh, it's a perfect balance of narrative, you know, telling this amazing story um, with uh, anthropology, sociology, history, and sports science. And uh, it's this beautiful story of this Mexican tribe uh, in, in the mountains of Talmara who are born to run, like all of us. Uh, and it tells the story of how we basically evolved through, through his lens and through his theory that we as human beings were born to run. And when, you, when I read this, you know, I was at university and I was like, what, there are people running more than 100 kilometers a day every day for basically their entire lives. And they do this, you know, for fun and because for survival. And this is how we as human beings have evolved uh, it really does change your your perspective on what is what is possible and how our bodies are uh, why our bodies are the way they are why we have you know a quarter of our bones in our feet um and it's it, it's a phenomenal read and, and like when you read it it just makes you want to run um or to, to me at least so i i yeah that would be my number one um Number two is a book called The Choice by Edith Edgar. Um, she is uh, she was born in Slovakia to Hungarian parents, um, and is uh, just before World War Two. And then, obviously, when the when the war started, she got taken to a, trans a concentration camp, and so she's a Holocaust survivor, um, Hungarian Jewish parents. And so, she writes her, her book. It's yeah, it's it, it, it was life changing because. It, 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 her whole point is on that we have a choice. And if a Holocaust survivor is telling you if you have a choice to be happy or not, if you have a choice on how you see the world or not, I think we can take a lesson on that. And it, it kind of links again, and I'll bring her in because I love Brené Brown. And she always talks about how, you know, we have a stimulus. There's a stimulus that happens in, in the world, and then we respond. But between that stimulus and response, there's a space, you know, and, and Edith Edgar calls that space the choice. And you choose how you respond in, in each situation. And we do have the, the power and the control of ourselves to be able to do that. Um, so that, that, that is something that was, was huge to me. Um, another transformational one was just a personal journey. I was, when I was backpacking through South America, when I was like 23, uh, I was reading Che Guevara's mo Motorcycle Diaries and uh, we were doing a very similar route. And I suppose it was more of a, a social political and basically inequality awakening even though you know i'm from the most unequal country in the world south africa uh i grew up in a very privileged bubble where you know 
you don't see the inequality on a, on a daily basis because you live in a la- nice neighborhood, you go to a nice school, and you go to a nice university. Uh, and then when I was traveling, you really do get that. And reading it through Che Guevara's lens was, was pretty empowering. So that definitely uh, woke up my consciousness, I would say. And and just because these are all really serious books, we've got to throw in a bit of Goggins there because uh, <laughs> just I thought, like, I, thought that, I thought that was coming. I thought that yeah, was coming. It's, yeah, it's completely on the other end of the spectrum. I don't agree with everything he writes, but like he does. I I, I do like a few of the points that he makes, especially when he's saying like you know it's you don't quit when you're tired, you quit when you're done, and 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 it's about persevering for that one moment longer, which which I do love about him. Uh, so there you have it, Born to Run. Um, by Christopher McDougall, The Choice by Edith Egger, uh, Motorcycle Diaries by Che Guevara, and uh, Goggins. <laughs> Amazing. I, I think to add to the the choice, I've actually read all three of those books. I haven't read the the Journey, um, the Motorcycle Diaries. That's not one book I haven't read. But I've actually read the other three. But it kind of reminds me of. Um, have you ever read uh, Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning? I haven't. I've heard so much about it. I've I've read excerpts of it, um, but I need to read that. Yeah, and I think it just what you said there reminded me of this idea, and I'm I'm probably gonna get the quote wrong, but it's something to do with that the he was obviously in a concentration camp, and he said that the they can take everything away from him, but they can't take away his ability to choose. Yes. And like that was kind of it's something along the lines. I could have I could have got that quite wrong, so apologies for that. But it's something along the lines of that. Yeah, we always have a choice about how we respond. Yes, to and as soon as you say that now, Edith Edgar in her book The Choice quotes him a lot, and and she either met up with him or was writing to him a lot because uh, now obviously you know you know her story that when she moved to America and became a psychologist. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Okay. All right, so we've talked. I mean, I've loved the conversation we've had. It's been it's been incredible. We've talked a lot about um, the theory and the, and the, the kind of things we've done. But if you could give us like three actionable steps as to like what people could do to maybe improve their mindset, what would you say those three tips would be? Hmm. I think the first one, it's not directly related to mindset, but indirectly it completely links is if, if you want to improve something, get a coach. Um, get, get a coach who has that technical knowledge, but also someone who's not family or friend who's going to pump up your tires, like someone who's going to be critical um, and also who knows what they're doing. So it, and that just you know allows you to have some trust in someone and, and to give an alternate non-personal perspective, I would say. So get a coach. Um, Another actionable step is surround yourself with people who are better than you or people who inspire you and people who make you want to be a better you. Um, And just, you know, anybody who's not doing that for you, don't spend time with them, I would say. Um, Thirdly, I would say the optimal mindset. I think so often... We worry about being perfect and doing everything right and, and getting it. But, but half the time that prevents us from starting. And similar to I think what Jonathan McCarthy said on your podcast was just start. Like just start and figure some of it out on, on the way. Like my favorite one running quote is the hardest part of a run is putting on your shoes. It's making that decision. And, and just get started and, and uh, then you'll, you know, you'll figure it out. And, and that goes a, a bit along kind of with quitting. Like I think most people quit things because you look how far you've got to go rather than how far you've come. And if you look back, you've gone far further than you have to finish whatever it is or your goal is. And uh, so that's what I would say. So actionable steps, one, get a coach. Uh, two, surround yourself with people who are better than you. And, and three, just get started. Just do it. Oh, epic. I think one thing that, and this is actually probably 
from a selfish point of view why I really enjoy this podcast right it's because I'm listening and and speaking with people like yourself and and people are my guests and I'm surrounding myself with people that are better than me right and, and I'm learning a lot from those people so yeah that's an actually an awesome point and and I appreciate you sharing so um before we kind of wrap things up where can people find you if they want to find out more about you or they want to know about your obviously your Ironman race coming up how could people learn more about you Jeez, I would be honored if they're, if they're. Uh, but yeah, uh, social media, um, I have an Instagram account, Mike Kramer, S-A, um, I would say is the, is the best way to go. Awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes as well um, before the um, before the episode is done. So I just really wanted to say thank you. You've been an incredible guest, completely knowledgeable, and there's so many things that I think people um, can take away and will be inspired by, by hearing about you. And um really just good luck next week you i know you're going to go out there i know how hard you've been working and you're going to crush it next week so and we would love to have maybe round two where we hear uh, how you got on in the uh in the race that would be a kind of a next episode that'd be awesome thank you johnny and and yeah just to close off i'm i, I love your work and i have so much admiration for you and i listen you know i listen to this podcast as it comes out every week when i'm on the, you know i'm on the bike and it, it's amazing what, what you're doing man so thank you it's a it's a it's an honor and a privilege to be on here uh, i definitely don't feel like my voice is as worthy as some of your previous guests who are really you know professionals have done amazing things i yeah i'm just a little guy who average guy who likes doing a bit of exercise but thank you let's hope we can crush it next weekend no, I'm sure you're being a, bit, a little bit too humble there. So uh, the Optimal Mindset has just uh, started an Instagram page. And again, I'll link to this in, in the show notes where you can find out more about our guests, uh, where you can find out more about our upcoming episodes. And there's lots of links to information about the people that have been on the show and to find out more. So it's called The Optimal Mindset. If you just type into into Instagram, uh, you'll be able to find us there. And hopefully we'll have a few people that will, will follow and be inspired um, by people like yourself. So thank you so much for, for listening and i look forward to hearing again from you in the future all right take care everyone thank you so much for tuning into the optimal mindset podcast today we are available on soundcloud and on spotify i've included all my information in the show notes for those who wish to find out more about our, our guests and upcoming episodes remember train your mind optimize your life